Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of One Mic Night Talk. We thank you for joining us. For all of you who are coming back and for those of you who are watching for the first time, please take a moment, click down on the bottom, subscribe to the podcast. As you know, we have an audio podcast, which you can catch on Spotify, Anchor FM, wherever you download podcasts, or you can watch it on YouTube. Every Tuesday night, we have a live chat. So we encourage you to follow us on YouTube and join in the live chat. So we talk about the episodes as the episodes are playing. You can also now watch the episodes on Spotify too. So that's a big news for this week. I'm really excited this week because we have a special guest. We have international consultant and clinical psychotherapist and author, Shane Mark Toll, and he's in the building. And we're talking about mental health today. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And we're very excited. We have questions and he has a new book out, which we want to talk about. The book is called The Mental Health Pandemic. And we want to welcome him to One Mic Night Talk. Welcome. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you Monday. for uh, joining us today. We appreciate it. It's my pleasure to be here. Happy Monday to everyone. Thank you. And Thank you again for inviting me. My name is Shane Martell. I am a clinical psychotherapist and an international consultant in the area of mental health. It is so important for us to be aware of our mental health. So um, I've been in practice for more than two decades, uh, especially dealing with the mental health of people, of black and brown people as well. So I think it's important that we are aware of the generational and intergenerational trauma that we've experienced and how that has impacted and shaped our lives. So that's really been my life's work. So I'm very happy to be here to talk about that. My book is called The Mental Health Pandemic and it really came out, out of um, the global pandemic that we that I, that we're still experiencing. And I know for some we're thinking it's an endemic and we're to the end, but we, we really don't know. So where we are every day, you know, there's new challenges. So I really believe that if we're able to, the, the, the things that we've been able to do through the past two years and, and, and how we have survived, I really believe that if we continue that, it really is a testimony, a testimony to our humanity. So, I want to interrupt you for one second because I, I want to talk about your, your book, yeah. which is fantastic because I, your book gives us some insight and resources to help identify mental health, which is a problem that we all have. Um, what, 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 what would you say is the purpose of your book? You know, for me, the, the purpose of the book is that someone will be able to pick it up read it and at the end of it feel like they have more cachet in your toolbox yes. to deal with mental health or understanding the mental health of the people in our in our lives and also getting an understanding of our own mental health it's really i really want at the end of this experience someone feel empowered and hopeful and it's really about just exploring, just exploring the premise that mental health has become the pandemic within the pandemic. I really think that's what mental health has become. And even though it existed before, I think the pandemic really forced us to recognize and talk about our mental health and really allow us to be more aware because our life changed so drastically and so sudden that we really didn't have a choice but to stay home, 
separate and you know when you're out at working and living your life there are issues that you could probably just brush over but when you're sitting at home for a month or two it really crystallized that we we have to deal with the with the things that really bothers us so i i think that was one of the reasons that i just being in new york when the pandemic started and really seeing how it affected everyone including me so i really wanted to offer a body of work that anybody could pick up and read and feel okay i understand this thing called mental health and it's really not it's not an abstract thing at all it is i'm sorry about that it is something that we all it's something we all deal with you know mental health is what we're doing right now engaging and having a conversation about mental health about mental health i, I think you're exactly about right you hit health. the nail right on the head it's something it's not abstract but i think that most people think that it's abstract and i think that you know your book is great because what you do is you empower people to to challenge themselves to to get mental health now i want to i want to read something to you here i've got some some stats so according to the uh mha .org, which is the Mental Health Organization of America, 19.86% of Americans express mental health, which means about 50 million Americans. Um, the AMA, which is any mental illness, is a diagnosable mental behavior, emotional disorder, um, developmental or substance abuse disorder. What do you say about that? It says that mental health is real. That's what it says. That yeah. is the volume of people that are experiencing mental health, and those are just the ones that are talking about it. Remember that culturally, we carry around mental health as an intergenerational, and I think at some points as a national shame, is we really don't talk about it, and we really prefer that we just don't have a conversation particularly in our black and brown communities. Yes. It's not something that we explore. I'm, I am happy to say that more people are um, exploring their mental health and being aware. And the conversation is really becoming daily and it's more it's more public. So if we are, if the book is just able to do that, I really believe that it has done a service to humanity. Mm. Well done. I think my co-host has some questions for you, Ashley. Yes. Um, so like everyone else, we all vividly remember March 13th, 2020. And I know we, me and my friends always have this discussion and maybe um, everyone else have had this discussion. But the question I have for you is that there's the question of there are a lot of people who thrived in the pandemic and a lot of people who really, really like suffered mentally. What is the, the closing gap of that? Like, why did some people thrive? Because my friends always say that I really thrived in the pandemic. And a lot of my friends didn't thrive. They mentally were like disengaging, um, depression hit, anxiety, all those things. What is that? Like, how did some people thrive and some people didn't thrive? Like, what was what is that about, you think? I really think it's our individual amazing capacity, how we mm. respond, how we respond to trauma. Some people in trauma, they they really respond as, I got this, I can I can power through it. But that mm -hmm. that's a good thing because I think we need some kind of mechanism or defense mechanism to help us survive the trauma. 
doesn't mean that we were not affected or that we are not affected. For me, I think I'm experiencing the trauma of the pandemic now because in the beginning, I was doing so much work helping other people and taking care of others. So for me, I have just delay residual effect of, of the pandemic. So it's just your clear capacity and how you respond, and also your support system. Maybe you had a good support system. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, how are you dealing with that delay? Like, how did you start noticing like you're feeling that delay? I, you know, I just, um, I'm pretty in tune, in tune with my feelings and I do have a really great support system. So now that most of the people that have suffered the trauma, they're, they're doing better. So I just, I decided that this is my time to take care of myself. There's another caveat to my book, the mental health pandemic, be gentle to yourself. That's my hashtag. So I'm taking time to be gentle to myself and really giving myself permission to mourn and experience the loss. But, you know, we have to take a breath to really think of the magnitude of the loss that we collectively experience. And you may know some people that have lost several family members to the pandemic or they may lost a family member during the pandemic but was unable to go to the funeral or unable to visit the family. So we're still dealing with that collective trauma yeah and not only not only just loss to you know of family members and life but even loss of a lifestyle where you're having to create a whole new life for yourself the old life is not there anymore we have a new normal which is the way we're living now and how do i create a new world for myself so that's that's a huge you know yeah and we're trying to create this new normal in a, a a hastily unchanging world. Yes. Yes. Mm. And that, that could be traumatic. Now that we're trying to go back to this thing called normal, we realize it, it's not really working for a lot of people. Like people can are doing better working from home. Yes. And we really have to realize that and think out the box. I've, I've been consulting with some firms and really telling them it's okay for your folks to work from home. Because the reality had, is the research has shown that during the pandemic, companies did very, very well. Mm. People worked from home, the company saw more productivity. So don't, if it worked during a pandemic, believe me, it can still work. And it's people, maybe people like you and I that don't run a company, it was, it was rough. Right. If you were home, consider a parent or a single mom at home with four kids in a one bedroom apartment really can't go outside, can't do anything, have to homeschool, have to be a parent, have to be a psychiatrist, everything. Think of that one person trying to manage that. Think of kids being involved in, in um, abusive relationships where when they're at school, they're away from the perpetrator as opposed to you're locked up for almost four or five months with that perpetrator. Yes. Um. Those are the kind of things that people are now recognizing and they're not, and they're now trying to deal with. And, and especially in our black and brown community, and, and child abuse and incest and all that stuff are not things we talk about. And, but I really believe this pandemic really forces us to recognize the trauma that 
kids go through and just trying to get them back into school this is a traumatic experience for them i did a radio show a tv show in jamaica and they were talking about when they opened back up this volume of crime went up people were more aggressive to each other and they were fighting because for two years you were separated and you know just think of you're not going anywhere for two years and then one morning you end up in the middle of grand central at rush hour uh. that could be extremely <laughs> jolly yeah yeah on the normal mornings if there's ever such a thing it's crazy but think of just being thrown back out into the h rain eight o'clock in the morning and people are just running up and down all over and hopefully someone don't come and come into the train and start shooting that's the kind of anxiety that we continue to live with absolutely. and live in absolutely Liz do you have anything I'm just listening it's so interesting everything that's being discussed right now and that's coming forth um I, I, and I've been writing down as you're speaking if you see me looking down it's because I'm writing down just bullet notes Uh, you said uh, don't treat depression as an abstract concept right you said uh, to ex- uh, as use it as an exercise when treating it of support and trust now me speaking from I I myself uh, suffer from manic depression so the pandemic hit me a particular way where I by nature am more of an introvert and it just cocooned me even more. Now I feel that um, I don't really discuss it much because there's a stigma as you mentioned before. Um, and there's uh, and something that you said that really struck me um, was um, generational depression. I've never heard that expression before and it intrigues me. Um, what do you specifically mean by generational depression? Is it that um, families have been suffering ongoingly throughout generations of depression and therefore it becomes a, a hereditary type of connotation, would you say? I, I would say that but also generational trauma if you are of an african-american experience think of slavery yes and come in here if you are of an immigrant experience like myself being uh being about 10 years old and coming to New York in the middle of it of the HIV crisis and all the hysteria around that and you know I'm, I'm this guy from from Guyana and I have an accent and I go to school and the kids are different I sound different they sound different you're being bullied and you know all of that that's trauma that is trauma and as we go through lives it's it stays with us it really stays with us I, I completely understand that and you know because there is uh, a stigma shall we say on someone who expresses i might have this or i do have this if it, it, i feel that it creates a fear in a person who's suffering from this and they suffer in silence 
Um, and that in itself to me is uh, an illness because you're being shunned away. You're not being accepted. It's almost like, uh, you know, and there I say, I don't want to use this as, you know, but um, the black community, the Hispanic community, um, you know, uh, gay and lesbian community, the, the, you know, the LGBTQ community, it's all looked down upon in a certain way. And I feel that you can actually fit depression into that because it's almost saying like something's wrong with you and nothing is wrong with a person who suffers from depression. It's just that we need how to learn how to maneuver that, to learn how to tell ourselves, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with me. I just have something that I cannot control that's out of my control. It's an illness, mm-hmm. you know, and I need, and, and, you know, I'm glad that you're on because even selecting a psychotherapist, even selecting, uh, you know, a psychiatrist, it's not as simple as people. Oh, why don't you see a psychiatrist? You're right. Just a psychotherapist. You're right. Let's it's go down that. Let's go down that route. How do we? Yeah. How do we begin to to help this problem? How do we select therapists? What do, What's what do we do? First of all, I'd like to say thank you for sharing that because I think the more we share about our experience, someone is listening, and it helps that person. So I really I, I want to honor the moment by just you being able to share that and feel safe about it. But I also want to echo that there's nothing wrong with us when we experience a mental health crisis. We have all experienced several mental health crises in our time. Just that some of us have have the capacity to respond better or they had really good support system that helped them through. And also we also need to really demystify this myth around mental health that it's not something black people do or people of color do. It's something that everybody has to do to be well. We have to take care of ourselves. And to the point of how do you select a good psychiatrist or a good therapist, I tell tell my potential clients that at least interview three people. At least. Because this is someone you will will be Telling you your own intimate thoughts too. And you want them to have an understanding of who you are and what your life experience is. Because we come to every situation with our lived experience. So you want someone that can understand that. And it doesn't, I think, someone that shares your cultural background could be very helpful. It could be, but also you want someone that sees you as a human and comes to this experience with humanity and compassion. Because I do think that compassion and accountability can coexist in the same space. So I really want you, when you're thinking of a therapist, at least meet with at least three people. If it doesn't feel right, just keep looking. You will know when you meet the right person that that you can work with. If you have any inkling in that it doesn't there's something off, work on that and keep moving. Mm, that's a good because, one. That's good. May I say something? It's because a, 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 a psychotherapist is not just a psychotherapist. You're building a relationship. They almost become like a family member mm-hmm. in a way. It's like almost like your right hand, correct? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I feel that way. 
Um, and Marcos, may I, I would like to ask uh, another question? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, go. Uh, um, I noticed that you have a focus on uh, mental health in, in men as well. Um, what interested you in that? And why do you why do you feel that that's a focal point for you? You lost your audio. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Think of a five-year-old boy, especially say a five-year-old African-American boy, runs, fall down, scrape his knees, get up, start crying. What are some of the immediate messages he gets? Mm. Stop crying, most don't likely. Cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop be being a, a baby. Boy. Be a big yeah. boy. Yeah, boys don't, don't cry. cry. Boys don't cry. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So immediately, you're you're telling him his feelings are not valid. Mm. And take that same five-year-old kid, thirty years, twenty-five years later, his wife or partner's telling him, "You men don't talk." So we get we we get this message very early about the pantheon of where we fall in terms of being able to talk about our emotions. Think of a teenager that a teenage boy that just had his first heartbreak. He's not gonna go to his mama crying or his friends crying. And if he does, he's being mocked and they're like, oh just find another girlfriend. He says, which tells us again. We don't talk about feelings. So now we're men, we have all of this stuff bottled up in us and there's not a lot of spaces where we can go and ventilate those feelings and not be judged. I think now those spaces are opening up and I really believe that we have to think of how do we deliver community mental health services instead of having an office where Oh, we're going to have a men's day or we're going to encourage men to come in and maybe we need to go where they are. And, you know, there's a lot of therapy that goes on at the rum shop and the barber shop. That's why I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I think you, you hit the nail right on the head again. I mean, you were talking about uh, cultures. We're talking about black and brown people who have years of, here we go, systemic oppression who need to deal with those things so we should have community services where it's available for us to go in and talk and i think that one of the biggest things and i'm sure you'll agree with me is consistency in getting the help you know once you find the help you have to be consistent in order to you know develop and, and you know uh, help mental hygiene uh -huh. you know what i mean so I think a lot of times people in our community, we don't even have the economic means to get the help. We don't even know where to begin. I would say to begin by looking in the phone book. Um, find, the, find the health uh, professional. Ask the hospital if they have a sliding scale for therapy. And by sliding scale, I mean whatever you can afford to pay, they'll accept you and you can get therapy. And they're free community mental health. Free community. Community. Yeah. community. But yeah. But and once again, for us to do it. It's once again is how we market those programs. Those programs are mostly marketed to women and children. Mm -hmm. There are not a lot of men focus 
programs that falls under mental health. So really, we also have to create spaces. I did, within the two years that I've been doing this, I noticed that, and it's reflected in the book, if a safe space is created for men, they will show up, they will ventilate, they will talk about their feelings, and they will support each other. If you think of the intergenerational trauma that we've experienced, think of getting 18 to 25 year old men in the same space with men over 50. Imagine the amount of support that they both can give each other what you can impart to an 18 year old young man that is probably now starting college or just had his first child and didn't have a father that had, that had no role models if this young man had a space where he can come to a talk about i'm really scared because being a dad is it didn't come you know my son and i had this conversation when he was about five years old i'm like you know being a dad didn't come with a handbook he said, well, being a son didn't come with a handbook either. So I guess we have to figure this out. You know, 25 years later, we're still trying to figure out this thing called. And, and, right. Who knows? Even if you, you know, you put the two groups together, maybe the older men will even say, hey, why don't you wait a few years before you have kids? Get your career together. Get your life together. You know, and if you find a spouse or a partner, you get with them and you build that first. And then you bring along a child. So that can see the whole structure. Correct. Yeah. I was going to ask the question of like, because you were talking about creating a safe space as women, how can um, women, how can we create a safe space with our partners? Um, even in dating, when you know you're meeting someone, like um, asking questions, like how can we create that safe space for like our brothers, our sisters? I mean, our brothers, like sisters, but for our brothers and for even people we're dating, and even like when you're getting engaged, like how do you, how do you um, create safe space for men to talk and to express themselves so they do feel like they're in a safe space? You know, I think. Um meeting up and having conversations or being part of a book club and reading certain books and, and relationships or just just hanging out and talking with men and finding out like when they're when they think of potentially dating someone what are their goals what are they looking for and are the goals are is what i say consistent with my behavior you know, there are a lot of, a lot of us, you know, I want to get married, I want to have kids, I want to do this. Okay, you're 35, what have you done? You have a, do you have savings? Do you have good credit? Have you seen a therapist? If you are planning and dating this person seriously needing to marriage, have both of you decided that maybe therapy should be part of the, our experience? before we really commit to a marriage. Mm. And really, you know, talk about your family. Are there any mental health issues in your family or are there other, any diseases in your family that, that will affect your life as you move forward? And I really think if we, we have these honest conversations, where we will be able to make better choices. So, and, and, and we will create that same space as well. And we need to talk to our brothers about what it is to be dating someone and how 
and to be respectful and to have honor, be a man of your word. If you say you're gonna show up, show up. Be con- and be consistent. You mm. know, there's a question I, I ask men, I ask them, are, especially if they have daughters, actually, are you the man you want your daughter to mm. date me right now? Mm-hmm. It, really, mm. it really floors them. And it's a good question to ask one of your potential boyfriends or partners. Are you the man that, or woman, that you would want your daughter or your son to be dating? That's a good one. It is a good one. It's not not all they ask. It made me even think of myself. Like, am I the woman that you should, like, date? Or, you know, like, that's a really good question. Oh, my gosh. That's a journal for today. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Doctor, let let, let me me ask you something. Um, Who was your mentor? Who guided you? Oh, you know, it's the... I think my parents, my parents, I'm the youngest of 14 siblings of Guyanese, but we're Catholic, we're very procreative. But, but my mom and dad, they always had this space where they created, where they spend time with us individually, especially my mom, because she was older today. And I just think she was the most, is the most compassionate, wise, charming person I ever know. Of course, we can all say that about our moms, but just the way she was always able to navigate and make each one of us, she see us as individuals. She really, and for me, it was more important because I'm a twin, I'm an identical twin. So I'm very clear that you, you are individuals, you're not. Being a twin doesn't mean you're stuck together. You can go out and do different things and enjoy different things and not dress the same way and yeah. So that's I've, shocking because oh, most wow. people, most mothers don't do that. They're always like right. you have to go to the same yes. school, you have to have the same friends. Why you're not like that? Like that's really interesting. Right. Wow. And, and you well, know maybe that if you have me- 12 other kids, you think a little differently. Yeah. <laughs> 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 kind of early that, yeah. Right, <laughs> right definitely. Awesome. I love that. You, you know, a, a great point that you made and, and, and is, is you have a twin, but you're treated as individuals. Fantastic yeah. point. And that's to circle back around to what we originally were discussing in this meet, in this session is collectively, globally, yes, we went through an experience. Everyone was experiencing this, but individually, we were experiencing it in our private life Uh at home. So although we were going through something collectively, individually, we were were having our own storm Uh and adding it onto this global experience. So that's an excellent point. Excellent point. Even though we might be the same and we're human beings, so, you know, I see us as all the same. We're we're human beings, right? We're different. Yeah. We're the same, but we're different. Right. Which is also why, and I think we've talked about this in some of our episodes also, which we we deal with it in different ways. There are different ways to do it. Like some of you run, go running. Some of you uh, uh, meditate. Some of you, you know, go on vacation and get silent. You find your space. 
you know, so we all have to find different ways to, to, to cope with it in our unique and individual way. So yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Marcos, to, 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 to pick it back up on what you said, what about those people that tell you, oh, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. It's almost like you're talking to them, but they're not listening to you. And, and, and that shuts you off even more. Because you're like, I don't, I don't want to be myself because I'm not going to be received because they're going to get tired of me repeating myself, repeating that I'm depressed, repeating that I feel lonely, repeating. H how do you deal with that? How do you deal with something like that? Because the reason why I ask is because I've faced this. I know that that because of the the wavering of the type of depression that I have, you know, obviously people want to be around me when I'm yeah you know happy and i'm on my 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 you know my my high in the in the in that circle but when i when i come back down and it's it's a quick slope and it happens frequently nobody wants to deal nobody wants to you know what i mean marcos has been fantastic at that and with and ashley too where they do checkups on on we do checkups on each other hey how you doing today you know a random note which makes all the difference yeah, it really does. And that's, yeah, sense. that's in daily life, even, you know, whether you're depressed or not, it's checking in with people and making yeah. that connection. And you have to. And and that, that's just what I feel strongly about anyway. I reach out to so many people on, people on a daily basis just to check in and see how people are doing. You know, and, people and do it to me. It's, and it's important to do that and not just ask how you're doing, like, how are you really? Doing? How are you really doing? Right. You listen. Yeah. <clears throat> how are you really doing i because i think when people ask us that question we generally have this re rebuttal i'm fine yes, yes. are you, <laughs> are you right. really yes. Fine? Yeah. yes so good mm -hmm. but do we do we think like <clears throat> like oh, let's just say like taking uh on sides of the other people right who can't handle like when <laughs> like you said they can't handle when you hit low is there such thing as like we have to be emotionally intelligent about emotional boundaries with people like is that something that like could you dive into that a little bit more that maybe we can like learn how to tell people like you know what like i can't do i can't make space for you but like, you know what i mean like it's like is that something that we all need to deal with like emotional boundaries with each other but how do we deal with emotional boundaries and still be supportive and be a friend. So you know, good, I, so good, yeah. I mean, for me, I, I'm very clear that no is a complete sentence. Okay, I like yeah. that. Okay. But I can also, I can say no, but I can still offer you something. I can do this, however, maybe you may want to think of finding someone to talk to. I can give you a referral. I can actually, I can even go with you to Ooh, see yes. it. I guess, yes. I guess the bigger Good. question and what you're saying too is, are we, can we expect one person to be listening to our problems every time? There we go, Marco. Is that yeah. too much for us to ask for one person to put that on them, you know, when I'm depressed every day or I'm depressed every other day? That's a lot to ask of someone. And so we have to find a method or, or a way to alleviate that ourselves, which is what I was saying. You meditate, you go for a run, you work out, 
you have to find other ways to, to do, whether it's medication, you know, yeah. or talking to your therapist, yeah. right? All, and sometimes we need all the above. All of the above. Yeah. yeah. All the above. A, a good balance of all of them. A good right? balance. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And, and it's important that we take agency of ourselves. Mm. And if I'm depressed, admit that you're depressed, admit you're having a, a rough time, and go and get the help you need. Yes. I like because that. You, you are, you, we are responsible for ourselves. Yeah. That's so good, yes. Yeah. We can't yeah. depend on somebody else to, to, to carry us through yeah. everything. We have to learn strength, right? Strength and understanding and what's going on and why is it going on. You know, I think it, you should be curious about that. Why is that happening? Yeah. And also, we may not, the, the, the thought of doing individual therapy may, may be a little rough or overwhelming for us. There are groups out there that you can, you can do group therapy. There are mm. support groups out there where you will have the support of the community with yes. you to do it. So I always recommend if you think individual is too rough, do, do group therapy, get involved in a, a self-help group or find something that you like to do. There's a club, there's a organization, an association for everything that you would want to be into. There's something out there that get involved and sometimes just do some charity work. Mm, that's good. Charity work and, you know, build your build your your list of gratitude like mm, like that especially yes. when you are depressed think of all the things that you have to be grateful for like and we walk in there there are days i am i'm grateful for the floor i'm sitting in on the colors of the, on my wall i can look outside and see it's, it's green i you know i have family and i have friends and but I, I, I also have me, and me is important. I'm important. So I have to be invested in myself so I can continuously live in this space where grace and gratitude happens. We talk about this all the time. Mm -hmm. Ashley talks about grace. I talk about the importance of self. Mm -hmm. I come first. Okay. I come first. Yeah. Universe or God or whatever you believe in, that energy, that's number one. But I come next. Yes. And then and we, and we have to take responsibility for ourselves. If we're happy, we should take responsibility. If we're sad, we definitely want to take responsibility. And I actually myself, why am I in this same space? Constantly, right? Why am I constantly yeah. circling back? You know, yes. something that I use uh, and I've said before is the power of no. Uh, teaching yourself the power of no and saying no i'm not going to be depressed today and utilizing everything that all all three of you have said find a hobby you know um be grateful um i have been practicing the power of no and i utilized it a lot recently where i'm like no get up do something no get up like you said marcos go take a walk no, I don't like feel, you know, th that word, it's looked at as negatively sometimes, I see. But no is very powerful. It's, it's also, yeah. I think, uh, the power of being alone and not lonely. 
boom, cool. you know, and yes. being able to be in your space and be alone and have peace and finding that peace in that space and not feeling lonely and dependent upon something else or someone else or, you know, so we have to be, we have to be okay with being alone. alone. Know that whatever I'm going through, whatever battle I'm doing or whatever life changes I'm having, that I'm okay to be alone in fighting that fight. And, yeah. and that you may not be okay today, but you, you're going to get there. Yes. You're, you're working towards there. it, right? Working you're towards working it. towards it. Very true. That's Very it. true. Um, we should end it on that note, you guys, because I know he has a lot to do, and we want to thank you for your time here. Please tell us how we can get your book and um, keep in touch with you. Yes, it's 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 on Amazon, the mental health pandemic, and you know we'll please invite me back. This is really great. It's a good way to start my Monday. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. This moment. is like amazing. Yeah. I didn't know what this was going to be like, but I'm really glad I I commit to participating. And thank you for having me. Thank Have you. A no, yeah. Yeah. Well, you you know what? Before you go, this this is like we're interviewing a psychotherapist as opposed to a psychotherapist interviewing the patient. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you got to preview everyone. That's good, right? Yeah. yeah. We win. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a great thank week. You. Thank you so Anytime. much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks again. Okay, everyone. That was clinical psychotherapist and author Shane Martell. He's an international consultant. And wow, the book is called The Mental Health Pandemic. And I encourage you all to get the book. Uh, make sure you follow him and, and, and find out what he's all about. Guys, what's your thoughts? Hi. You know, it's, it's such a great it's so great talking to someone, especially towards the end where he said, some days he doesn't even feel well. Yes. And I think it just shows us that we need to stop perceiving that every day will be like roses, rainbows, I got this. Sometimes you just like, <laughs> and, let's like and let's get out of the, even me, right? I've been thinking about it. Stop getting out of like, I have anxiety today. It's a rough day. No, sometimes it's just not a good day. Yeah. And it's not a good day according to what you think is not a good day. Right. But it might be a normal day in the world. It's just nothing exciting that's happening. And you just, cause you know our thoughts, right? Our thoughts try to tell us certain things, which is not true. So it's like, I'm learning to, when my thoughts are appearing like clouds, I like to think of my thoughts as clouds, right? Just mm -hmm. let them just grace on by, float on by. And it doesn't mean you're having a bad day, you're living life and it just is what it is. Right, yeah. You know, so. I think you're right. and, and, you know, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of times, yeah, things don't work out the way we plan to, the expectations yeah. happen when we want it to happen, the way we want it to happen. We have to be flexible. We have right. to know that, you know, the possibility of something new is there or the possibility of what we expected will come later. But there's Definitely. also a lesson to be learned in that moment. Right. We but don't you think there. we sometimes make it a bigger deal than what it is? Yeah. You know, like, even when we wake up, it's like, oh my God, rough morning. <laughs> it's like, 
It's not it's that like, bad. But it's like you haven't even waking up yet. You're just groggy. Like, give yourself a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know what, Ashley? Like, what you're saying is like, we're feeding negative feelings yeah. into our body even before, like you said, even before we're fully awake. We're like right. training our mind to think negatively. Right. How right. about it's we train our mind, right? Right. Differently. That's what how I'm do saying. We, how do we counteract that? I mean, even even in those moments where we're doing that, how do we, what can we do? You know what because I do? Your mind just runs away with stuff. You just, <laughs> oh, I'm over here. You build you up a whole scenario. It hasn't even happened. Right. It happened this morning for me. So I'm battling my allergies, right? I woke up with this, okay, this eye, because we're in the camera. <laughs> this eye was super, super red. And I was like, now, come on. I got the show. Right, right. I'm about to look crazy. And so what I did was like, I said to myself out loud, today is a great day. I took my butt in the shower. I steamed the shower, showered, put some great music on, and just went about my, you know, like my, my, like my day in the morning and just like took my allergy pills, put my eye drops in, and just waited for everything just to come together. Cause I, just, I was just thinking at the end of the day, girl, you just woke up. It don't even matter. Get it's not that, that, yeah. Get yeah. your stuff started. And I think that's what my answer to you is, is like, just keep moving. Don't like, just say to yourself out loud, today's a great day. Right. Don't go into other things of why it's gonna be a great day. Don't do none of that. <laughs> just keep moving. Okay. I gotta, I gotta tell you guys a little story. I don't mean to cut you off, but I had a little situation the other day and I had to do this thing and I know I look crazy doing it. So I had a little situation and I, and I can't be too specific because oh, sure be specific. people, Get the people probably listen or watch or we'll find out. But the energy of my day was so bad and I was mm. in a place where I couldn't leave. So I, I talked to the ancestors I created a force field around myself. I turned around in a circle like I was making an actual force field. Oh, I love that. Went on about my day and it was, it turned out to be great. Because Doesn't I was it? so, yep, I was so, I had a feel, a force field around me from all the negative energy that was coming in. And whether, you know, it literally happened, but it was in my mind that I created this force field so I was not impacted by what was going on over here. It was trying to come. I love that. Right? Well, sometimes you said you have to become your own superhero. in a circle. I like that. Because you know what it is? It's your mind. mind. It's just like, it's not as bad as you seem. Because right. we keep forgetting our mind is trying to keep us safe. Exactly. And sometimes our thoughts, like Liz said, they get away from us. Yep. And it's like, you got to center yourself like, oh, no, no, no. I'm in control. And I love what you did, the force field, like whatever you need to do. But it's just like he said, like getting tools in your toolbox. So you yes. have to start reaching in there like, okay, this tool not gonna work. It's gonna work, right. You know, right. like maybe yeah. prayer will work right. today. Right. Maybe speaking out loud will work. Or yeah. maybe like they say, movement. Right. Movement works and that which like needs to the blood, blood right? Yeah, Liz, you said you blood go for go to walk, the brain. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like so I just and I'm also like I said, I'm I'm trying to get better at like not making things such a big deal. Like just keep moving. Like I said, mm -hmm. I don't give myself room to think of whatever. 
I just keep moving. Like I have to get dressed, I have to put on makeup, I have to eat, I have to drink water. I just decided like, just keep on moving and if you don't give your mind any room to like speak to you. And it's just be foolishness half the time. Foolishness. I like what you did, Marcos. It's like you, you became your own superhero. I love that. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna try that. Good I time. love that. See what happens. It's all in your mind. I love that. So guys, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode of One Mike Night Talk. We're done? We appreciate you. We have to be done. We got to get out of here. Hi, uh, Liz, you got things to do. I, think <laughs> I know I have things to do. Oh, we, yeah. Yeah, we thank everybody for watching us. Please, if you have any men mental health issues and you need some uh, someone to talk to, uh, the MHA, you can call 1-800-273-TALK. They have a crisis hotline. They have therapists, they have support groups like uh, clinical psychotherapist uh, Mark Shane Toll said, Shane Mark Toll, excuse me. Um, hospitals, they have sliding scales, they have free therapy sessions. Yeah. Get some help. There's no shame in it. There's no, no shame. No shame. Thank you guys and for you joining better. us for One Mic Night Talk. We love you. Oh, yeah. yeah Much love. love.